The first half of the parable of the prodigal son is so familiar that it needs only a brief recounting. The prodigal demands his share of the inheritance, takes off for a far country, and squanders the money in riotous living. He goes broke. His friends desert him, and a famine strikes. In order to stay alive, he endures the worst humiliation possible for a Jew, feeding pigs. Then we are told he came to himself, the true self God meant him to be. He experienced genuine repentance. Such repentance usually has three aspects. Real sorrow for what one has done, true confession without rationalization or self-excuse, and a determination to change, often called amendment of life. The son in the story would have been glad to return as a hired servant. But after what he had done, he wasn't too hopeful about even that. However, his father met him not halfway, but all the way. The son's confession was met with forgiveness, complete and unconditional. The father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him, the one kept for the most distinguished of guests. Put a ring on his finger, a signet ring, meaning that the prodigal was restored to complete sonship, once again a member of the family, and sandals on his feet. Sandals also were a token of sonship. Servants and slaves went barefoot. And get the fatted calf, bread especially for a great festival, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. At this point in the story, the older brother comes to center stage. Now his elder brother was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The elder brother stands in sharp contrast to both his brother and his father. For he is incapable of the reckless selfishness of his brother and the reckless unselfishness of his father. When he hears that his brother has returned and that his father has responded with forgiveness and a celebration, what is his response? 
joy that his brother has been found safe and sound? No. He became angry and refused to go in. And once again, the outgoing love of the father comes into play, for the father came out to him and began to plead with him. And the elder son responds, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Do you hear it? This son of yours, as if to say, he's no brother of mine after all that he has done. Mark Twain described the elder brother perfectly. He was a good man in the worst sense of the word. We can look at the elder brother and we can feel a bit of sympathy. How often the child who stays home is taken for granted. And it seems that the elder brother has stored up a lifetime of resentments, resulting in three basic twistings of the human heart. Jealousy, self-righteousness, and self-pity. His jealousy was simple to see. It exploded when this good-for-nothing was rewarded with a feast. The elder brother shows himself to be self-righteous by the accusation of devouring his father's property with prostitutes. It sounds a little like, thank God I'm not like others. And then comes self-pity. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, yet you have never given me even a young goat. In other words, what's the use of even trying to do one's duty if wastrels and scoundrels receive more consideration than the upright and the conscientious? Jealousy means that the trust, which should be at the heart of any relationship, is either lacking or limited or incomplete. This is why jealousy is such a deadly enemy of happiness in human relationships, for it is an indication that one hasn't really let go, is still holding on to one's ego, one's own desires by withholding trust. To the extent that any human relationship is touched by jealousy, to that extent it is poisoned. Sadly, the self-righteousness of the elder brother 
is all too alive and flourishing today. We see this trait throughout our society, our culture, perhaps right now, especially in our government, and sadly, even in those who profess to be followers of Christ. Such self-righteous people bolster their own egos by thinking of others as inferior or somehow flawed. Anytime anyone calls someone else by a derogatory term or makes a disparaging remark, they are involved in just such self-righteousness. And my friends, it is something we all fall prey to, often without even realizing it. And is there any one of us who has not been caught up in self-pity, who has not felt sorry for him or herself from time to time? You see, we must be very careful it is all too easy for us to be judgmental about that elder brother, much as he was about his brother. Jealousy, self-righteousness, and self-pity are never attractive. But suppose the prodigal son, or some modern version of him, came to worship with us this morning, fresh from the pigsty, dressed in rags, smelling of pig dung. Whoever he was, would we really welcome him as the father did? Or would we be more like the elder son? The story that Jesus tells doesn't have an ending. We aren't told what the elder brother did next. If he went in to join the party or stayed outside, pouting and fuming. You see, the choice was his. What would you have done? 